It is Encounter with God time here on The Breakfast Show. It is time for Bible study. It's time for text messages. Hear what you had to say about the first half of the show. And it is time for the next question for the quiz. Go for it, Lawson. All right. Our next question for the quiz. What ornaments were hung on the hem of the high priest's robe? There were two. One entry for each. So if you can say what both of them are, you will get, like, this is basically a, a bonus double points around, essentially. 0491 is the number to call or text if you know the answers to that one. And if you do, you can go into the draw to win Exodus, Myth or History by David Roll, who, again, getting into Egyptology, history, archaeology, trying to verify, hey... Did Exodus really happen? Is is this legit? But again, that number was 0491064669. And that question was, what ornaments were hung on the hem of the high priest's robe? There were two, and you get one entry for each. All right, let's head over to text messages. If you know the answer, of course, give us a call 0491064669. But this is what you had to say about the first half of the show. And the first text message we find says this, it's a touch worrying that our Seventh-day Adventist schools are not on that list of schools with, in uh, quotation marks, shocking biblical contracts. Mm. I don't know what to say there other than that I couldn't agree more. Mm. I, I can't think of better publicity than standing up for truth and reality and what the Bible teaches mm. with combined with love and compassion. Mm. And, you know, this is one of the things that really does stand out to me, you know, and I've mentioned this before, but I've been sort of working it over in my mind as to, you know, why it is that the secular world sees Christianity in the way that it does. And it's because the secular world divides people up into two groups. You have the good guys and the bad guys. Mm. They generally look at themselves as being the good guys, and the bad guys are defined by their actions. So if a person does bad things, then they are a bad person, and Mm. so therefore... You hate the person because of the things that they do. Whereas for a Christian, the world is just made up of bad people. <laughs> yeah. All who are in need of the grace of Jesus Christ. And so when a person does bad things, you don't hate the person. Mm. You hate the things they did. Mm. And the secular world is never going to understand that differentiation. And so when, when we talk about bad actions, they just assume that we think those people are bad people. Mm. That's that's the challenge that we face. It's just it's a very difficult challenge. Yeah, I was I was on the uni campus yesterday, spending some time with some people, and and yeah, there was a guy who asked the question. The question came up like, oh, you know, they they compare sins. They're like, oh, should someone go to hell for looking lustfully unto a woman when another person goes to hell for like murder? There's such a difference between those things. Like, why then should both of them go to hell? Like, and I'm like, well, for, the first question is like, what is hell and what actually takes place? Like, that's the first sure. thing you need to work out. But secondarily to that, um, the reality is, is that we're, we're not all innocent of sin and then no. guilty when we do it. No, we're all just guilty. That's right. We're but, all in need of the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ. That's right. And so, yeah. If we, when we look at the world in this way, I think it enables us to actually truly love people who we don't like because yes. we realize, like, oh, man, like, everyone is bad. Everyone needs help. Okay, moving back to text messages. This one relates to the interview where we did talk about the advantages of real books mm-hmm. where the batteries don't go flat. As someone says here, as much as I like technology and its uses, nothing beats the smell of a book. Are you the kind of person who buys a new book, cracks it open, sticks your face in it? I'll put my hand up. I I am. No. 
Yeah, no, you're weird. No. No, normal people, normal I, people, when they buy a new book, the first thing they do is crack that thing open and take a deep breath. It's because I don't buy new books. Like, I have lots of old books at home, and then Such all the moment. rest of my books are in the screen, you know. They're, yeah. in, they're on the screen. That's right, and the battery goes they're flat, and cloud. your book is gone. All right, let me <laughs> okay. see what else we've got here. Um, this one's from Deanne. It says... Good morning, Shell. Received the book yesterday with thanks. I am blessed today, though my heart is in pain to, due to my brother passing away yesterday. Mm. So, Deanne, we are very sorry for your loss mm. today. Um, let's just take a moment of prayer. Father mm. in heaven, we pray that you'll be with Deanne at this time. We pray that you'll be with her and her family. They are suffering loss, and we pray that you'll just be close to them, that you'll place your arms around them, and that your Holy Spirit will be right there with them through this time of sadness. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, I've got some more text messages here. Uh, this one, this one here says, "Plastic. Before the world cleans up, the problem. Jesus will be back. Absolutely. That doesn't mean that we should stop cleaning up the world. Mm. But Jesus is going to be the ultimate cleanup for our world. <laughs> like again, the the reason that I was citing of wanting to clean up the plastic is because I want to go to India and see." It, the Taj Mahal. That's right. I want to see it be like really pretty and beautiful. Or the Jim like, Corbett National Park. <laughs> that's right. It's it's like not even like okay, like obviously, you know, pollution against our planet and ruining the planet and all that stuff, like it isn't good, but even more so, I just want this so I can go and look at the pretty tigers. sights of India. That's right. I just want to go and see tigers. Yeah. That's it. I want to fight a tiger. Okay, you do that. <laughs> I want to fight a tiger and not be like accused of animal cruelty. That's like that's that's I don't think you would be. I think you'd be accused of competing for the Darwin Award. <laughs> it would be yes, anyway. All right, let's go here. Oh this Go. Okay, interesting enough, uh, this one is about uh, your story about archaeology in relationship to King Arthur. Mm. Interesting enough, historians cannot confirm Arthur's existence, mm. though some speculate that he was a real warrior who led British armies against Saxon invaders in the 6th century. There is no question that uh, the Saxons heavily invaded uh, Wales and tried to overcome it. They were unable to do so, and so they formed the the four Saxon kingdoms mm. in what is modern day England. And there is no question that there were fierce Welsh warriors who kept them out. What is also interesting is that these Saxon invaders were actually crusades. They were religious crusades because mm. the Saxons converted to Roman Catholicism and the Welsh belonged to the Celtic church. And so if King Arthur did exist, then he would have been a Sabbath keeper, mm. um, just like Seventh-day Adventists are today. And uh, he would have believed in salvation by grace alone and he would mm. have believed in the Bible and the Bible alone. And these were actually religious crusades that were raised to wipe out the Celtic Church, which was a much, much older church than the Roman Catholic Church. Mm. All right, uh, let's see. Here's Sudan. Uh, the legislation on apostasy that was good news. Of course, the uh, the, the the legislation has been overturned, um, and yeah, it's very unfortunate mm. for Christians there. 
uh, legislation for religious living in Australia. These lawyers and media work for the New World Order and have sold their souls to Satan. Praise God for those colleges and schools that are willing to be persecuted for their love for Christ. I pray that God will turn their situation around to glorify his people and himself. Mm. And if I had school-aged children right now, I would be seeking out one of those schools. I would be, I would, you know, if I, if I wasn't able to homeschool, I would be moving to an area where I could send my kids to one of those schools, such as City Point or one of the other ones that we mentioned this morning, that are actually standing for Christianity, for reality, mm-hmm. and for science. Yeah, I You said, can actually trust that they're going to teach empirical science in their science room. That's right. I said just, uh, shout out Chinchilla. I know some people, because Chinchilla Christian College was mentioned there. I know some people who went to Chinchilla Christian College, and they said it was fantastic. So there you, you go. Know, there, there you go. If you want to go to, I believe Chinchilla is the watermelon capital of Australia. Bring it on. They grow lots of watermelons there and have a watermelon festival. If you want to go and live in Chinchilla in Queensland. Have a watermelon festival. There's, well, there's a good school there. Why not? Yeah. Okay. Signs of the Times, testimonials. God saves from all types of circumstances. He will never let those who come to him down. Give it a try. You won't be disappointed. God is love and gave his life for you. Mm. Is there anything he, that's God, cannot do? Mm. Amen. Great text message. What a wonderful idea to change the world at the dining table. Imagine if everyone did this. Even once, what would happen? It reminds me of the table in heaven that stretches for miles for all overcomers with all that beautiful tasting fruits and all the happiness that goes with that. God is good. Mm. Amen. That is a great text message. Mm -hmm. Okay, COVID-19 raising his ugly head again in the news just now. Not good. I was trying not to talk about COVID-19 this morning. Mm. And it still came up. Yikes. Yeah. Anyway. It's 2022, guys. Like, I'm just over it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, move on. Uh, we've got COVID already. We know about it. Yeah. We know it's a bad thing. We know that there are going to be you know, elderly people and some not so elderly people that are going to die from it. There's nothing we can do about it. Mm-hmm. It's just, anyway. <laughs> bad people according to whose standard? Surely not God's standard, but Satan's standard. Mm. That's interesting. I love books and many of them I won from Faith FM. I tried to read from 20 books daily. That's a big effort right that, there. Like, okay, so they didn't say read 20 books, read, read from, from 20, 20 books, books. Daily. That is like, that's, you're, you're doing lots of gymnastics there. I would get confused. Like, what, what is saying what, you know? That's that's tough, but hey, look, if you're, if you're living that life. Educated person. Good, good for you. That's awesome. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, let's head over to our Bible study. We left our Bible study with the Israelites crossing the Red Sea. Yes. Yesterday, it was amazing. We had uh, Ethan and Julia here, uh, a couple of uh, young people, future radio hosts on air. (laughs) We left our Bible study with them crossing the Red Sea. Of course, they reached the other side of the Red Sea, and they now have very clear evidence that there is pretty much nothing that God cannot do. Mm. I mean, after you've crossed through the... When you've walked through water with a wall of water on either side of you... Yeah, it's pretty convincing. That's pretty convincing. Mm. And you would think you would have, well, nothing to fear from that point forward Mm. because you've seen the direct uh, supernatural power of God. Okay, so let's... Let's continue on and let's see what happens next. Let's go to Exodus chapter 17. In Exodus chapter 17 and verse? Uh, verse 1. Verse the Bible says... So before we start there, we just, you know, we think about for a moment, they, they get to the other side of the Red Sea. They stop there 
and they enjoy themselves. They have a massive celebration that takes place, as you would. Mm-hmm. And then a few days later, they move on. Yeah. All right, where do they go? Exodus 17 and verse 1, the Bible says, At the Lord's command, the whole community of Israel left the wilderness of sin and moved from place to place. Eventually, they camped at Rephidim, but there was no water there for the people to drink. So once more, the people complained against Moses, Give us water to drink, they demanded. Quiet, Moses replied. Why are you complaining against me? And why are you testing the Lord? But tormented by thirst, they continued to argue with Moses. Why did you bring us out of Egypt? Are you trying to kill us, our children, our livestock with thirst? And then Moses cried out to the Lord, What should I do with these people? They are ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, Walk out in front of the people Take your staff, the one you used to, that you struck uh, the water of the Nile, and call some of the elders of Israel to join you. I will stand before you on the rock of Mount Sinai. Strike the rock, and the water will come gushing out. Then the people will be able to drink. So Moses struck the rock as he was told, and the water gushed out as the elders looked on. Moses named the place Massa, which means test, and Meribah, which means arguing. Because the people of Israel argued with Moses and tested the Lord by saying, is the Lord here with us or not? Okay. All right. So this is an interesting story. And uh, what's interesting about this one is that it's not the first time that this has happened. Mm. In fact, I was going to get you to read a different passage first, which we're going to actually backtrack and read now Mm -hmm. because it gives a bit of interesting context to this story. So let's actually back up a little bit and then we'll come back to the story of Exodus 17. Let's go back to Exodus 15, 22 to 27. So basically what you've got is you come to the end of the Song of Moses. The Song Mm -hmm. of Moses is the song that Miriam leads, uh, all Israel singing. You've come to the end of their uh, celebration, they're rejoicing, they are now completely free. They are on the other side of the Red Sea. They've seen the power of God. They've recognized that they serve a God who is not going to let them down and that there is no Egyptian army that's ever going to track them down. They can actually be stress-free right now. And what happens in chapter 15, verse 22 to 27? Then Moses led the people of Israel away from the Red Sea. <clears throat> Sorry. And they moved out into the desert of Shur. They traveled in this desert for three days without finding any water. When they came to the oasis of Mara, the water was too bitter to drink. So they called the place Mara, which means bitter. Then the people complained and turned against Moses. What are, you, what are we going to drink? They demanded. So Moses cried out to the Lord for help, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. So Moses threw it in the water, and this made the water good to drink. It was there at Mara that the Lord set before for them the following decree as a standard to test their faithfulness to him. He said, If you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord, your God, and do what is right in his sight, obeying his commands and keeping all his decrees, then I will not make you suffer with any of the diseases that I have sent on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. After leaving Marah, the Israelites traveled on to the oasis of Elam, where they found 12 springs and 70 palm trees. They camped beside the water there. Okay, so let's think about this for a moment. They are three days out Mm -hmm. from crossing the Red Sea. Mm -hmm. And what are they doing? Uh, They're upset. They're complaining. complaining. Because they think they're going to die Mm -hmm. three days later. Yeah. They've walked through the Red Sea on dry land 
and three days later. Okay, so that's one way of looking at it, but there are other ways of looking at it. So let's let's look at this from a different perspective. Let's put ourselves in the shoes of an Israelite. So let's say that you are there with your family. You are responsible to your family. You have your wife. You have your women. You have your children. You have your elderly parents with you, and you have been traveling. Now, the last time that you would have had access to fresh water was when you left the River Nile. Mm. So you've traveled through Egypt, a portion of Egypt, a decent portion of Egypt, carrying water with you from the Nile River. Mm-hmm. You come to the Red Sea. Is there any water there that you can drink? No. No, water is water as far as the eye can see, but not a drop to drink. Mm. You go through the Red Sea. Now you're on the other side. Mm. If you want to get water, the nearest water, other than these uh, supposed oases, is but the nearest reliable water is still the Nile River. Mm. But to get there, you've got to go back through the Red Sea again. Mm. And who's who's going to say that God's going to do that same miracle twice? So now you are actually trapped. I mean, you are completely trapped mm. because you have the Red Sea in front of you, behind you, you have the desert in front of you, you have a million people. How long is your water supply going to last? Not. Very long. Not very long at all. So by the time you reach this uh, particular oasis, and, you know, uh, Moses was probably familiar with the oasis, probably didn't realise that it had turned uh, bitter or salty uh, in his absence. But, you know, Moses could have said, we're going to travel three days this direction, you know, ration your water, make it last. Uh, We're going to find an oasis when we get there. When they find the oasis, it is undrinkable. Mm. And so now what are you going to do? You have now reached a point where you can't go back. Mm. You know, this was a one-way journey. That's right. You can't make it back either. Like, yes. again. You know, it reminds me of the story of the light horse in the uh, First World War at Beersheba, mm. Australian light horse. They made a one-way forced march across the desert. They had enough water to get their horses to the location, but not enough water to get back. Mm. And so they had to take Beersheba with the wells intact or die. Mm. It was as simple as that. You know, and, and the horses were so thirsty when you read the history of it that uh, they, it, become an, it became an uncontrollable charge once the horses smelt the water mm. that was in the wells at Beersheba. <laughs> they were like, there's water here, and they just took off. Yep, they like, we don't care about machine guns, we don't care about rifles, we don't care about artillery, we can smell water. Mm. And, uh, yeah, it became the, the last great successful cavalry charge ever made, made by infantry, but... It was the Epic. last. It was the last. You know, and and, and Australian folklore, uh-huh. right there. It's just become a part of our myth, a part of our history, something that we look back on as you know an an, an event of 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 greatness. But essentially, they were done mm. if they did not take Beersheba and win those wells that day. Yeah, they they took an, a one way journey, and this is what the Israelites have done. They've taken a one way journey, mm. arrived at their destination. They've rationed their water for three days, knowing it will take three days to get there. Now they are out. Mm. Now you as the head of your family are looking at your children and knowing that your children, your elderly parents and your wife are going to be dead in the next eight hours. Mm. Would it be, you know, you start to put that into that kind of perspective and I don't know about you, Lawson, but my humanity would start to kick in. Yeah, yeah. No, I I have to be honest. I yeah I agree. Like I have to be honest. I'd be like Moses, you brought us here. Mm-hmm. You brought us to an oasis. 
you know this area, spent 40 years out here, mm. and you brought us to this place and we can't drink the water and now we're going to be dead in the next eight hours? Yeah, I think particularly, like, if they're really dehydrated and on death's door as well and they're thinking, like, okay, God parts a Red Sea for us, like, won't God drink? Like, like we look at this with this perspective now, it's like, of course God would give you water. Like, of course yep. he's got to look after you. But from their perspective, you know, it could be that, oh, okay, so God has led us this far, but what, he's abandoned us now? And that's exactly what they say. Like, yeah, that's right. They're like, oh, wait, because, oh, you know, my livestock and my children and my elderly parents are dying. Like, is, is he just going to let us die out here? Is that actually what's going on? And that was the thought. It's like we look from our perspective and say, oh, why this lack of faith? But I think it just reflects them not really knowing God at this point. And it also reflects an uh, a, a pagan understanding of God, mm. because the pagan understanding of the gods was that the gods, that human beings are not here for a relationship, but for the gods' entertainment. And so the gods would be entertained by this kind of thing. Like, yes, let's lead them across the Red Sea and then let's watch them all starve to death. That Oof. would be entertainment Yikes. for the gods. And so, if you look at God from that kind of perspective, which is the perspective that they have come from, you know, for the for the Egyptian gods, it was it was entertainment. Mm. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Let's have another question for our quiz, the last one for today. Naaman was a captain in the army of the king of what country? If you know, 0491 is the number to call or text. Now, the answer to that one, you will go into the draw to win Exodus, Myth or History, which will be drawn at the end of the week. But again, that question was, Naaman was a captain in the army of the king of what nation? Okay, if you know the answer, the number to call is 0491 Somebody coming through in on the text message. Now that someone mentioned it, how is it that the SDS schools are not on their list? That is concerning. I don't know. I have not asked the question, but somebody probably should. Mm. And then there is a photo with 20 books on a table. It's like my my my, my meals for today. <laughs> Education is great. All religious and history books plus one on the mind and emotions. It looks like some really good reading. That's material. epic. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm. I wish I had time. So this is what happens. This is what you can do when you retire. Yeah. I, th- I think this person retired. Lots of, That's what I'm, lots I'm, of books. I'm, I don't read that many. That's my excuse anyway. And then you can go out and spend time in the book of nature. Yes. Look at God. That's 21 books. Yeah. Amen. Yes. I think this person re- reads 21 books a day. Yeah. When it's not raining. All right. <laughs> where are we up to? Okay, so we're talking about the uh, experience where they come to these bit of waters. And we've looked at it from two perspectives. Mm-hmm. One is the very human perspective. And I have to be honest because so often I read the Bible and I get frustrated with Israelites. And I'm like, why? Why, why, are, they, why are these guys so frustratingly just dumb all the time. They just crossed the Red Sea and now they're complaining because they don't have water. Mm. And uh, I think, you know, I look back on it from that kind of a perspective with the hindsight of history, knowing that God is going to turn the water to clean water. And uh, I judge them rather harshly. Mm. But then if I stop and put it, put myself in their shoes and I sort of stop and think, you know, there's been times when I've been, you know, for extended time periods in the outback where I was reliant on the water that I was carrying and if that water ran out, then I was dead. Mm. 
you know, I just sort of start to think it from a human perspective and from a human perspective that's, let's be, let's be honest, friends, we are no different from the Israelites. Mm. And if we were there and if we were facing imminent death from starvation and that maddening thirst that takes place when a person is actually starting to die from dehydration, mm. would we have lost our faith in God as well. I think that if we're honest, most of us would have been in exactly the same situation. Mm-hmm. Okay, his text message says, I wonder how thirsty they were they really or were they more concerned about the immediate future? Jesus was there in front of them in the pillar of cloud, giving them the shadow. It wasn't a life or death situation. Satan gave them fear and faithlessness. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. I think, yeah, that's the other aspect that you add into it, like the presence of God being yes, with them. and like Right there. And and it's kind of, again, like the thought in my mind is like how experienced are they with God and, and who he is? Because f- from my perspective, it's like, okay, if I'm walking through this desert that God told me to walk through and knowing who God is and knowing that he has my best interest at heart and he wants to keep me alive, if I was like to the point of barely being able to span, stand because of lack of water, eventually, like, God would save me. And if not, then it's to his glory. But that's the perspective that I have now. we got to think these people have been slaves. They don't know God. Like, they, they, they kind of know him, but they're, like, just learning who he is again. And I think of myself, I'm like, okay, when I was had been a Christian for, you know, like, a week... How faithful was I and ready to take on the world and do like, you know, how, how it's a uh, relevant point, isn't it? How incredibly, you know, just dedicated to God was I. And I can, I, oh man, I, it's embarrassing to think of just how when I first became a Christian, like, like God had really worked in my life and helped me to overcome several things, but different challenges coming up. And this is the amazing thing. Like you grow in faith. Like mm. it's not, you don't, you don't, you don't just hit that point like straight away, like, oh, I'm faithful in all things and then just stay there. Like, no, I think you, God helps you to grow <coughs> over time. But like particularly at the time, I was just really caught up in like, oh, will I have enough money? Like, will God look after me? Like all this stuff. I was just always worried and anxious about those things. I used to like blow up and get angry about it or sad or whatever it may be. Now I like just care less and less. Or now I like I'm employed, but even under circumstances where I don't have enough, like, I've had enough experiences to know that God is there for me. But when I was younger, so I was like less mature, I didn't have that experience with God. I was less mature in my faith. Definitely. Like I was constantly like, oh God, why do you hate me? Like you, you want me to live this life for you? And then you've tossed me to the ground. Like, like some just, uh, like, and I feel so melodramatic. Like looking back on that, I'm like, wow, that is so ridiculous. Ridiculous. Like, what's wrong with me? But truly, that was the experience that I had. Mm, mm. And so I'm like, for these Israelites, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm a lot less impressed and a lot less lenient looking at them than throughout their history they continue to go off and go astray. But at this point, I'm like, well, I don't think it's necessarily a justified reaction because sin isn't justified. But at the same time, I can definitely resonate with what they're going through because I feel like I've definitely been through there. I've been the same. I've been through the same thing. Like, I've done exactly what they've done. I've been faithless in the face of uh, different, like, problems and dif- difficult circumstances. 
uh, because I just really didn't know who God was and I didn't have that experience with him. And I think they're kind of learning that now. Like you got Moses on one side, like he knows God, like, mm. but these guys, they, they're, they're struggling to get to know him. This is a massive learning experience for all of us right here. Okay, so we've, we've, we've dealt with what happens in chapter 15 mm. where they have come across the bitter waters and God has miraculously sweetened the water for them so mm. that it's clear, mm. clean water. They then move on to a very nice place where there is just water everywhere. Mm. And then we move to chapter 17 where they are at Mount Sinai and there is no water at all. All. So there's no bitter water, there is no fresh water, there is no water. Mm. And how far are they going this time? What do you mean? Like how long are they going to stay well, there? How far are they going as far as their complaints go? Oh, this time they're like, God, like I have a wife and kids. Like that's like scraping bottom of the barrel. Like, yeah, I've got a wife and kids. Like You've taken us out here from Egypt to kill us. Yeah, like they, how much they're getting evidence, serious. How much evidence do they need? They have had the cloud every day. Mm-hmm. They have had the crossing of the Red Sea. The fire every night. The plagues mm-hmm. in Egypt. Mm-hmm. The fire every night. Mm-hmm. They've had the sweetened water in the past. Mm-hmm. And again, they have reached this point where it's like, wish we were still in Egypt. Wish yeah. we were still slaves. Wish you hadn't brought us out of Egypt. Why uh-huh. didn't you bring us out of Egypt? What a terrible idea. Why are we here? This is horrid. We hate it. We want to go back. We want to be slaves. Mm. It's no wonder that God gets a little bit frustrated at this point. Mm. And so does Moses as well. And so does Moses as well. Well, Moses gets further frustrated the the, the final time that they go asking for water Mm. and Moses ends up sinning, uh, for which there is no excuse. Mm. But this is a lesson here, and the lesson is why is God doing this? God is teaching them to trust him. You know, this mm. is a, this is a, a a whole generation that is going to continue to struggle with trusting God throughout their entire lives. Mm. And God, what is God doing? God is bringing pulling the blanket over them so that they can hear His voice without mm. the blanket coming over them. And we talked about this yesterday. Without the darkness coming, you often cannot hear the voice of God. Mm-hmm. And so God brings these trials, He brings these temptations so that they can hear His voice. Mm. And so often when we find ourselves in a situation of trial and temptation and difficulty, and we're like, why? God's like, because now you can hear my voice. Mm. When things were going well, when you were rich and increased with goods, you weren't listening. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. The Breakfast Show, we're about to have question of the day. Before that, answers to the quiz questions. All right, so the first answer was Onesimus. The second answer was, okay, what do you need to do to, you know, what does a newly married man need to do according to the Bible? Make his wife happy. That, that was that was happy the Happy wife, answer. happy life. That's right. Uh, for question three, they, the Bible kind of says that. It, it does. Yeah. It's, it's true. It's definitely implied. Uh, in question number three, uh, that they were ten times stronger and wiser by as a result of their ten-day dietary trial in the book of Daniel. Um, on the high priest's robe, he had hung bells and pomegranates. And finally, Naaman was the captain of the army of the king of what nation? That nation was Syria. So congratulations if you were answering the questions correctly. But right now it is time for... Question of the Day. All right, Lyle, our question today is simply this. Is Melchizedek 
Jesus? Yeah, it's a good question. And there's probably a lot of reasons why people would uh, make this assumption, particularly from if you go to the book of Hebrews chapter 7 here where the Bible says, it describes Melchizedek as being without father, without mother, without descent, having uh, neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like under the Son of God, abides a priest continually. And so a lot of people from that verse have said, well, that could only be Jesus Christ. However, this is not Jesus Christ, and we're going to look at the reasons why. So we're going to look at five reasons why Melchizedek was not Jesus Christ. First of all, when the Bible speaks about Melchizedek uh, here in the book of Hebrews, it says made like um, or made after the order. And the uh, Greek word that is used is the word to resemble. Resemble is not the same as. Resemble is something that is a symbol of or a symbolic of or a type of or looks like. And so what Paul is arguing in the book of Hebrews is that Jesus is like Melchizedek because every priest is a descendant of Aaron. But then there was Melchizedek and he was a greater priest than Aaron and his sons. And so therefore you can have another priest that is not a descendant of Aaron that is greater than all of those priests and that is the category that Jesus fits into. And so he's saying he is a priest like resembling Melchizedek. The second thing is, and this relates to appearances of God in the Bible and appearances of Jesus, particularly in the Old Testament, particularly before the Incarnation. And what you're going to find is that universally when Jesus turns up, there is some point. You know, When Jesus turns up to Abraham when he's camped at Mamre, for instance, there comes a point where Abraham recognizes, wait a minute, this is not an ordinary human being. This is actually Jesus Christ in the form of a human being. And, of course, they have that whole discussion about uh, you know, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. You've got the same with Joshua. You've got the same every single time that God appears to human beings at some point, it is revealed that this is not just a human being. Well, this is not a human being. This is actually God. Mm. You do not have that in the story of Melchizedek. The next point is very important. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 1, the Bible says that every high priest is taken from among men. In other words, every high priest is a human being. Mm. Jesus did not become a human being until the incarnation. He was not a human being before that, and so therefore he could not have been a high priest because he was not a human being back in the time of Abraham. Mm. He was a divine being. Uh, Then you continue on from there. Um, The the, the next point is, is interesting because Melchizedek was not just the high priest of Salem, but he was also the king of Salem. He was the political leader of Salem. Jesus was very, very clear in his earthly ministry. His earthly ministry was not to be king of a city or of a region. His earthly ministry, he says, my kingdom is not of this world. Jesus did not come to this world and set himself up as a king. He did, in fact, the opposite of that. He set himself up as a servant. Which brings me to my fifth point in relationship to this particular question, and that is this. Do we have two two earthly ministries of Jesus? Do we have two incarnations? Mm. Do we have, you know, are we missing the Old Testament Gospels of Melchizedek, who was actually Jesus Christ? No, Mm. that's not the case. Jesus only came once to this world to live his life on this earth and to give his life as a sacrifice for us, which is well recorded. And there is no dual ministry of Jesus indicated anywhere in Scripture. This would be something that would be very, very well recorded if it was so. 
And so no, Melchizedek was not Jesus. He was somebody who was like Jesus, a type or symbol of Jesus. A couple of last minute text messages coming through. Um, Sky says here, she says, I think I, I, I'd like to think I'd be on my knees praying out loud to God mm. and I'd be putting my earplugs to reduce the effects of the moaning. Mm. Definitely dehydration would play a part in mental health and cognition. Perhaps, Lawson, you've explained the meaning of work, working at your salvation. Mm. Uh, that's from Sky. Then uh, we've got another one here. Uh, this one from Braden. It says, I bring the story of the Israelites forward to today. Sure, we can say their faith was rather small, but what about us? We have all the examples of God's working in humanity throughout history mm. and he's working in our life, yet how quick we are to doubt. I can say that though I have been a Christian all my life, I still have those moments. Mm. It is humanity. Even Jesus went through a stage of feeling abandoned by God. The weight of this world and sin is heavy. Thank God he is strong enough to carry us as well as sin. Mm. Of course, as you go through the day, spend some time with Jesus and spend some time in Bible study by yourself. There's no substitute for it. Do not forget to talk faith, to live faith, to act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. For being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1 800 Faith FM.